I strongly feel growth is actually hidden in tweaking your existing processes, start somewhere. It's not in completely restructuring your processes. It's actually sitting somewhere in minor tweaks. And suddenly you realize that there's a lot to be had. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sunny Side Up podcast. I am your host, Devin Cohen, and today I am super excited to talk with Vic Kalra on the transformational journeys and insights into Equisoft's evolution and strategies for success. Vic is a seasoned marketing professional with over 15 years of experience across diverse functions in the marketing landscape. He holds an MBA, Lean Six Sigma certification, and a bachelor in in economics, which has fueled his passion for data-driven and process-oriented strategies. Currently based in Toronto, Canada, Vic balances his professional life with his role as a father of two. And beyond the busy business world, Vic has a deep interest in spirituality, travel, and tea. He's actually a certified tea sommelier and a travel advisor in the state of Ontario. Vic, super excited to have you on the show today. Thanks, Evan. It's a pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Happy to have you here, Vic. And so could you please provide some insight on your background and some of your current areas of focus as a marketing leader at Equisoft? Yeah, for sure. So I started my career uh, with paid search. I started managing really large accounts that gave me a very good foundation into becoming a good marketer because paid search is very unique in the sense that it actually gives you real-time data as to what people are looking, what they're interested in. And there's also an art of writing ads, but then there's a science behind it where you manage your large spend. You can see your return on investment in real time. So that was a great foundation for me. It allowed me to think big. It allowed me to think in various directions that as as a marketer I should be. And then I eventually went, ventured into different digital marketing functions, email, paid social, organic social, pretty much everything that I could manage as a digital marketer. And in the last five years or so, I've had the opportunity to become a full sort of integrated marketer where I have not just managed digital, I've started managing offline side of things, except television pretty much managed everything. So it, again, all the opportunities that I've had in the past be it in the B2B space. I worked in travel space for quite quite some time. It All of that has actually allowed me to become a much better marketer because of a new function that I started working on at different places. So that's been my journey. Started with digital and you know now fully focused on pretty much all different various functions of marketing. And your second question, which is about Ecusoft, uh, at Ecusoft, you know, primarily I manage the growth of our company's pipeline. That would be my primary objective. I need to ensure that we have a healthy pipeline from our from various markets. We are a global company, so we need to ensure we have presence in all markets. Plus, we continue to nurture our existing prospects, plus at the same time, look for those new prospects. And that's a demand gen aspect of my role. And my secondary role is, I shouldn't say secondary, but this is this runs parallelly with my primary role, is to, is to manage a team. There's a, there's a very smart bunch of people 
who do some amazing work and i i consider myself as their peers more than more than anything of course i have the responsibility of managing their growth managing their career trajectory but at the same time i consider myself as their peer i i work alongside them i'm very executional in my own approach so i i like to be i like to do both strategy and uh, execution both so that's my role in nutshell at ecosoft hopefully that gives you a good overview of my michael yeah it does i mean clearly you're the kind of leader who leads from the front lines along with the team which is phenomenal to see i'm curious could you tell us a little bit more right it sounds like uh, search was a huge part of kind of your initial upbringing in the marketing world but what does the current go-to-market strategy look like for for equisoft especially being a company selling to different enterprises selling numerous different products and services i'm curious what that looks like for you yeah it's a go-to-market strategy we're very similar to any other b2b company we have the same process come up with a solution statement come up with the solution you look at product attributes you look at how we stand against our competitors you do swot analysis you do everything you can just like any other company to sort of de- design a go to market strategy but you know at ecusoft um we have a long sales cycle we are not any mom and pop shop where you have you know there are a lot of b2b companies that could sell a $1000 product or service or even a $5000 but we are not in that space which so we know that for us to be able to sort of be, be really successful in our marketing strategy we have to build trust nobody is going to invest their money and energy into long digital transformation projects without really working with us prior to actually giving us any project so our go to market strategy we are present on all platforms possible but our strategy is is to ensure that we can um accomplish or secure face-to-face meetings because i as i said nobody really gives you the project without actually doing their due diligence which could last for months right it's a big transformation on their part and we offer we work with primarily life insurance companies and they need to make sure that they're working with the right partner they're not looking for a vendor they're looking for a partner So trust is a big aspect of our marketing strategy and we can only build trust if we have more face-to-face interactions with our prospects. So our go-to-market strategy hinges a lot on our ability to drive those discussions with our industry experts with meeting the right prospects on the other side. So th- this means we need to ensure that there are people who are going to be able to learn more about us through more and more personal interaction. and as a company too our philosophy is that we don't believe in shortcuts so our products and services you can just put our product and services within days it takes time we don't believe in shortcuts we believe in giving you the quality that you deserve as a company because you are focusing on modernizing and transforming your architecture keeping all of that in mind our go to market strategy is does start just like with any typical company where we do our analysis from generating problem statement going all the way to our SWOT analysis but then when it comes to measuring which channels that are going to bring in ROI or which channels we need to invest it's a different process for each market and we ensure that eventually no matter what we do we want to bring on face to face interactions and that is 
that typically defines our go-to-market strategy. Got it. Very interesting. Very interesting. And so it sounds like with the go-to-market strategy as it stands today, you guys are making more of a pivot into actual face-to-face interactions and really getting in front of your prospects, which is interesting, right? Because I think especially with COVID and everybody going remote, like there's a lot less of that in our, our more digital world. Could you tell us a little bit more about like that pivot towards events as a sort of a growth marketing strategy, especially considering like the current landscape and some of the, the economic headwinds and challenges that everybody across the B2B space facing right now? Yeah, we all get unsolicited messages. We are all bombarded with people offering free demos. So with anyone, especially we target people who are, of course, decision makers in any company. Naturally, we want to target people who are able to sort of take decisions, big decisions, and not just purchasing a $5,000 product. So, which means those people are even more busy. They, they don't have time to entertain your emails or your outbound reach, cold outreach, right? They need to be able to connect with you. So, and when, when we look at that landscape, we don't, you know, of course, we try to connect with our prospects. But we know that to connect a meaningful relationship, we need to be able to go beyond those traditional uh, outreach. Which means that events play a big role because at the end of the day, if you're a busy executive, you are focused on delivering on your projects and you're focused on learning, you're always constantly learning something new. And when it comes to industry events, industry organized events, especially in the insurance space, they offer great value to most most of these events are actually offer great value. So we know that a lot of our target prospects attend these events and not just for learning aspect, but they're also looking to network because they know technology is changing fast from region to region. They are really willing to learn. They're excited about learning. They're excited about networking. And in many cases, they sponsor many events, which which allow us the opportunity to really meet people. Because as I explained, it's not very easy to break through the noise. You know, everybody's trying to get their attention. So events play a big role in our sort of, you could call it an ABM strategy or our overall marketing strategy. We do produce a lot of content, which is thought leadership. So attracting their attention, I won't say it's super easy, but it's not difficult because we are leading that space where we deliver thought leadership content. So once we have their attention through various types of content we release, we have, of course, the written content, ebooks, case studies. But at the same time, we invest a lot in podcast, in delivering really world-class webinars. So we can generate their attention. But after that, once you've delivered, once you've gone through the awareness stage, for us to be able to meet meet with them. And actually hold meaningful conversations, events play a big part in our approach. So that is why events play a big role, because the ability it offers us to sort of really meet and connect with these individuals. Yeah, which is, right, I, I think great segue into my next question here, right? Because I know the life science space is, right, it's an incredibly difficult buying persona to get in front of, right? Selling the CTOs, CIOs at these organizations that are more old school, right? It's it's just tougher to get in front of these folks, which is why it sounds like events have been so successful for you guys. Given that, given the headwinds of the industry that you're in, 
the prevalence of really, really long multi-year contracts in your market, right? How do you go about developing a comprehensive plan and ABM strategy to effectively target and nurture those top accounts, right? And especially, I, I know events are a huge part of that strategy, but tell us a little bit more there. Yeah, it is a challenge, no doubt. Our ABM strategy, we feel very proud of what we've achieved. We have invested a lot of energy into designing our processes that really empower us So on our CRM. So we, I think our CRM plays a big and critical role. Our team, marketing team, plays a big role in ensuring that our systems, processes, checks and balances, we follow to the T. We have checklists. We ensure that each and every file is well-documented, well-updated. So if somebody's taking over a new account, a new file, a new contact, they actually have a they, they have the right context on that particular account. We have enough checks and balances to ensure that we keep our CRM in very good shape. And that is really the catalyst of our ABM strategy. So if everybody supports us on that front, we know that once we, because we also know insurances, you know, you don't find thousands of insurance companies in each country. You'll find a small set of insurance companies in, in, in each region, in each country, which means we know our target accounts. We know who we want to work with. We know who can who actually requires our help. We do our market research, and that gives us a lot of intelligence, and which actually eventually goes into our, our CRM. Because we know our accounts really well, and we work very hard on building checks and balances on CRM, it really helps in pushing that ABM forward. So our ABM strategies to make sure that even if it's even if it's a small conversation that can actually lead to something is actually well recorded and documented. We try our best. Of course, it's not hundred percent. We try our best, which allows anybody to review those points and then take action. So action is key. Action is critical, uh, and CRM plays a big role because we understand who our target accounts are, and our CRM is in good shape, we are actually able to execute really well. We are able to design target accounts, the list that we need to reach out to. And I think I'd like to point out two channels that actually help us generate the right level of awareness we need to get in front of our prospects. Insights, Our inside sales team, they are, of course, the masters or I'd say leaders when it comes to ensuring our CRs. CRM is actually in good shape. They, of course, do a lot of brand building and ensuring that we are a trusted partner. So they they never do, they they also ensure that we don't invade someone's space. They do it very intelligently and smartly. And then once that site is taken care of, email plays a big role. So if I look at the channels, ABM email and, and inside sale, inside sales as a channel, they both play a big role. But at the same time, we also have a very robust digital marketing infrastructure in the back end. So we we also want to ensure that people who are aware of our products and services, they also see the value of some of our other offerings. We don't we're not in the business of selling right at the onset. We we know that we are blessed with some really high quality content, thought leadership content. And our goal is to really ensure that, you know, 
that content is consumed. So we have the digital marketing infrastructure as well that allows us to, you know, go in front of our prospects. And it's a part of our EBM strategy so that people are aware of what we have to offer. I'd say that in nutshell ensures that we have a good ABM infrastructure. Of course, we don't utilize a traditional software that is ABM focused, but I think we feel very proud of what we've achieved in the last couple of years. And I think we continue to get better and better at ensuring that the right prospects are nurtured at each step. And CRM plays a big role in that. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And it's it's always super impressive talking with marketing leaders who are right, who are doing and running great ABM programs without a tool to make it that much easier for them. And I think if I had to try and summarize what you just said as sort of like two key themes, it's one, it's all about the data, right? If you're not taking care of your CRM, if you don't have great insights in there, you're going to be a fish out of water as it as it comes to uh, trying to build out an ABM strategy. I think part two, right, is like that sales and marketing collaboration, like working between sales and marketing, knowing which accounts to target, knowing what the messaging should be for a given account. It's got to be a team effort, right? Or you're not going to be successful. Yeah, that's a key point you touch on. I think without we find that, you know, it's quite an important topic to discuss because sales and marketing enablement is very critical to any company's success, especially in the B2B space. Both sales and marketing have to trust each other. And that is one area where we focus a lot. We work very closely with our sales teams, ensuring that their problems are solved. They, they have to use CRM as well. They use CRM for many reasons, not just for marketing and sales. They have their deals to enter. So we work very closely. We want to ensure that that synergy between our two teams is always there. And we can actually piggyback on each other to serve. You touched on a good point, sales and marketing enablement. Yeah, love that. Love that. And Vic, obviously, you've been a marketing leader for quite some time. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for our listeners, any good books to read, blogs, newsletters, website, content that you produced in the past that you would recommend? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily read too much about marketing, but I do read about business a lot. I think a book I could recommend, which I actually read recently, is on OKR. So I, I believe the book is called Measure What Matters. It's by John Doerr, if I'm not wrong, Disney. That is probably the most powerful book I've read on growth. So of course, it talks about OKRs as a concept, how we are implementing that. Uh, I think the, the the author used Google Google's example, how Google actually implements OKRs. But what I found throughout the book was that, of course, it's talking about OKRs, but at the at the core level, it was almost um, giving you some tremendous tips on how to manage teams, how to lead, and how to get the best out of each individual who's working working with you. And that is critical because if you can get even if you can extract ten percent extra from each individual in your team through the right setup of goals and objectives for that individual, you can achieve a lot. I'm a growth, I manage growth, and growth is all about how do you find growth year over year. Of course, we are challenged, we are tasked with finding growth year over year. But I strongly feel growth is actually hidden in tweaking your existing processes, start somewhere. It's not in completely restructuring your processes. It's actually sitting somewhere in minor tweaks, and suddenly you realize that there's a lot to be had. 
So that book really helped me understand growth in general and growth that you can actually that you can actually extract from your individuals that that are working for you. That book I really highly recommend, and I think the other book I could recommend, which I read a long time ago, which on leadership, it's it's a book by Simon Sinek, which was a very popular author. He wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last, and I think that book I I, I highly recommend as well. Again, it's about leadership, management, how to lead with lead with empathy. So that's another book I could highly recommend. Love that awesome answer. Thanks, Vic. And yeah, as far as getting in touch with you for our listeners, what's a, a good way for our uh, our listeners here? Where can they find you? Yeah, I think LinkedIn or email would be best way to get in touch with me. I'm very active on LinkedIn early because I, I learned so much from other individuals in the same space. So LinkedIn would be probably the best way to reach or email for both. Either way, I'm active on both. Awesome. Well, Vic, thank you so much. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Devin. It was a pleasure being here and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Have a great day, Vic. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 